the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for Dr. Health Radio, radio's original health news magazine, bringing you the latest information on medicine, fitness, nutrition, and wellness. Now in its 34th year, your host of Dr. Health Radio is David Snow, who is a health expert but not a doctor. And while most of David's guests are doctors or authorities in their area of expertise, they do not diagnose or prescribe on the air. If you have a medical condition that requires treatment, see a health professional. The information contained in this program is for educational and entertainment purposes only. And now, your host of Dr. Health Radio, the snowman himself, David Snow. Well, 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 it's another show. And uh, good morning and welcome once again to the healthiest hour on radio. It's the snowman with you, David Snow, keeping you cool and healthy and... Um, I was just in Las Vegas a week or so ago for a class reunion from my uh, class in Hawaii and uh, got this amusing coffee cup I wanted to share with you. So <laughs> let me uh, read you. And I, I can't remember the last time I spent $11.95 on my monologue, but uh, I had to buy it because there's so much uh, text on it that uh, I couldn't just take a picture of it or jot down a few lines. But it says Las Vegas prescription coffee mug. Uh, Rx, or, you know, the prescription, calf, I-N-8-M-E, caffeinate me. And uh, who else but Dr. Juan Valdez is the prescribing doctor. Says, take one cup by mouth as needed to reduce fatigue, drowsiness, and irritability. Repeat until awake and alert. Maybe taken with cream and sugar. <laughs> Daily grind, 11 ounces of black gold uh, for all you uh, caffeine addicts out there. Refills, you know, it, it, and it looks like a prescription bottle, by the way, this coffee mug. Uh, refills, sure. Expires <laughs> when mug is empty. And then on the side panel, warning may cause a latte problems such as acute alertness, rapid speech, and frequent urination. Does not cure drunkenness and may make drunk people more alert and entertaining. Uh, and then it goes on to say, uh, let's see, may cause increased productivity, approved coffee activities, social media, Actual socializing, oh, what a concept. Breakfast, dessert, booking, uh, let's see, a, a book reading test, cramming, late night studying, and uh, waking alert while sobering up. All right. Anyway, wel- welcome to your uh, caffeine-free wake-up call, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in and making us a part of your weekend. Today on the program, let me uh, describe the topic. I want to preface it with the definition of the word science, a department of systematized knowledge that is an object of study. And we are going to talk about science as it relates to medicine and your health with a guest who has a new book on science. Inside Science is the name of it. Ben Lewin is our guest. He's a scientist and a researcher. Uh, we'll talk about the revolution in biology and its impact, everything from AI. Do we need to be concerned about it as far as the its dark side and um, all the uh, developments as well as 
science versus nature, uh, science versus politics, or in politics, you know, those are hard to separate, right? I mean, sometimes political decisions and mandates are the result of uh, so-called science, serendipitous discoveries. Uh, we'll talk about patents and intellectual property as it relates to medicine and, and your health. So um, fact-filled hour of information, and you want, don't want to miss any of it. But if you do, uh, you can always listen to the rebroadcast tonight, 12 hours from the time you're listening to it in the morning on the station you're listening to right now. Or you can always go to the website, drhealthradio.com, after next Wednesday when we podcast all of the uh, previously aired shows. All right, uh, I mentioned I was in uh, Vegas recently, and there, in case you haven't been there, I mean, there's like a cannabis dispensary on every corner. It's like convenience stores anywhere in you know any city in the USA. But, um, oh, in fact, did you know that the largest cannabis dispensary in the world is in Las Vegas? But um, having said that, do you use cannabis or marijuana, a.k.a. marijuana, medicinally? Well, Many of you do. Sometimes you use it recreationally, but um, maybe you use it because of chronic pain or anxiety or other conditions where cannabis has purported benefits. Well, here's the latest science, since the topic is science, uh, the topic of the hour. According to a new analysis of more than 100 clinical trials and meta-analyses, there is little evidence on the benefits of marijuana. Study author was Dr. Marco Salmi, Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Ottawa in Canada. And actually, much of the um, most convincing research or evidence in the study pointed to the potential harms of using marijuana, especially for pregnant women or anyone with a mental disorder, and the adolescents and young adults who, ironically, make up the majority of cannabis users. Now, the findings show that the detrimental effects of cannabis on brain function uh, there are many, and uh, while well, the review did find some benefits of cannabis, such as for seizure disorder reduction or chronic pain and uh, muscle spasms, most of the studies done on these conditions used standardized laboratory-made synthetic cannabis or extracts, which most regular users don't have access to. Now, when it comes to mental health, using the drug raised the risk of relapse in people with psychosis or schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disorder or depression. And for women uh, that uh, use it for nausea during pregnancy, there's a link between cannabis use and having a small, low birth weight baby. Now, I might add that ginger root has a safe, is, has a very safe and effective record of women using it for pregnancy-related nausea. So that's an alternative. So usually there are alternatives to cannabis use, uh, even though people say, oh, it's natural. And uh, finally, Clinical trials have found uh, evidence between cannabis and negative effects on memory, verbal cognition, and visual recall. So, yes, cannabis is natural, but so is tobacco and alcohol and other things that have neg negative uh, impacts on your health. So, um, so much for cannabis. All right, the top 10 warning signs, some top 10 signs that you may be in a bad restaurant. <laughs> uh, use your senses, number one. Smell. If it smells like disinfectant or has other off smells, uh, I, th I think I'd turn around and walk out of that restaurant. What about buffets and salad bars? Uh, fortunately, they, those went by the wayside during COVID and the, the pandemic, but you know they've come back with a vengeance. And uh, 
unfortunately, uh, you know, that leads to overeating and uh, food safety concerns. You know, even with sneeze guards and other sanitary measures, there's contaminated uh, contamination risks uh, from uh, I, one thing that comes to mind. And most people have the visual of this because they've seen it before. Children's fingers. You know, you, the family goes up to the buffet line and, and uh, you know, of course, kids are always putting their fingers in everything, including the buffet uh, dishes, uh, as well as flies. I mean, any any food that's going to be exposed to air and uh, to the public, I mean, think about it. And then plus the nutrient depletion. Think about it, folks, you know, from the hot foods being held at high temperatures for hours at a time, long periods of time. I mean, you know, if I know that if you analyze the nutrients from buffet foods versus freshly made food, and that was properly handled, uh, there would it'd be a night and day difference. You you would not have the nutrition in buffet foods that you would have in otherwise prepared food. Also, the extensive menu that indicates there are probably not too many items that are <laughs> truly fresh or made from scratch. I mean, they're pre-cooked and frozen and reheated and and the like. So, uh, just think about that. Also, look for details in restaurants. Um, like salt and pepper shakers that might be clogged or dirty and pay attention to surfaces in the restaurant, such as carpeting, which really shouldn't be on the floor. If it's a restaurant, um, missing ceramic tiles, et cetera, you know, and you want clean walls. And if the menu itself is torn or dirty, that may be an indication that other surfaces in the restaurant are also not so hygienic. So some, uh, Pointers, uh, since most of us, you know, about uh, half of our meals are eaten outside the home in restaurants or fast food outlets. All right, uh, this is a travesty. Uh, this is, uh, boy, if, if something gets my blood pressure up, it's definitely this. Uh, it's the um, drugs given in nursing homes just like, like they're candy. Eight in ten nursing home residents on Medicare were prescribed psychiatric drugs during a recent nine-year period according to a government report. That's roughly a million residents per year, every year. Uh, Now, the report, this is uh, from about a year ago by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, suggests that years-long efforts are failing to uh, curtail, excuse me, the overuse of psychiatric drugs in America's nursing homes. Psychotropics uh, have long been characterized or uh, criticized by nursing home resident advocates and lawmakers as chemical straitjackets. That's, you know, it's, it's a Band-Aid approach. They're using it to control the behavior of the patients, uh, to sedate unruly patients and particularly those in, with dementia because uh, those are some of the most unruly. That's one of the side effects of dementia is that people become arrogant and argumentative and um, uh, downright mean, uh, you know, and, and these are people that were as gentle as, as anybody else uh, before they succumbed to the disease. Anyway, the use of psychotropic uh, drugs in older adults comes with serious risks. The antipsychotics can increase mortality risk and patients treated with uh, or for dementia or dementia-related psychoses. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's life-threatening reactions that can take place. I mean, liver failure and r- increased risk of suicide, some of the side effects of these antidepressants and, and um, psychotropics, and they're more vulnerable to uh, headaches and gastrointestinal issues and the like, and as well as cognitive impairment. 
So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox and get my blood pressure back down here. All right, let's see how much time do we have. Not much, uh, but I have many more articles. Oh, no, okay. Oh, we'll get to a few more. The number of prescriptions that you probably don't need, one in five. And uh, two big reasons for that, and this is a a recent uh, study that was uh, pointing that way, but there are two, two factors. First, doctors fear malpractice, of course, if they don't prescribe or give you a prescription. And then the second is the patient's fault. or uh, they're, they're the ones that uh, are the culprit because they often pressure docs to uh, prescribe something for them before they leave. You know, hey, doc, you got to, I mean, I can't walk out with a, without a prescription, right? Anyway, and then uh, a couple other statistics for you. The number of good friends it takes to boost your health, five. That's the magic number, according to research. It showed that that was the best predictor of your physical wellness, mental health, and even longevity. It's uh, tied to the number of uh, number and uh, quality of close relationships that you have, as according to Dr. Robin Dunbar. And finally, two minutes. That's the time it takes to increase your quit smoking success or your smoking cessation. Only two minutes. That's a very short conversation with a doctor about smoking. That was enough to boost the likelihood that people would be smoke-free for six months, uh, according to the most recent research. So that's a good thing. So talk to your doctor about any addictions. All right, uh, let's see. Let's get to... Uh, let's go to the Funny Bone Pharmacy. Okay, a guy goes home to visit his folks... And uh, his mom asked him to set the table for dinner. Well, he opens the refrigerator and taped to the inside of the door. Uh-oh. It's a risky picture, risky uh, photo of a lovely, slender, perfectly built, but scantily clad young woman. Mom, what's this? The son asks. Oh, I put that up there to remind me not to overeat, she answers. Was it working? Uh, yes and no, she explains. I've lost 15 pounds. But your dad has gained 20. <laughs> He's always looking at the picture in the refrigerator and then grabbing a bite at the, t- at the same time. Okay, uh, a couple of thoughts on exercise. Only people, some, or uh, only reason rather people, uh, some people exercise or take up jogging is so that they can hear heavy breathing again, right? And my friend uh, joined a health club last year. He spent about 400 bucks. Hasn't lost a pound yet. Apparently, you have to go. You actually have to go to the health club. To, what a concept. And finally, if you're going to try cross-country skiing, start with a small country. That's probably good advice. All right. That's the uh, Funny Bone Pharmacy. When we come back from this brief break, Ben Lewin's in the house talking about science and inside everything having to do with science, the fraud that goes on, the uh, so-called grant games, the uh, nature versus science. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, well, we, we have many more questions. AI and uh, your genes, the genome, uh, the uh, you know, epigenetics, stem cells, and much more as we continue here on The Healthiest Hour on Radio. Noni has been used by Polynesians and Hawaiians for over 2,000 years as their main medicinal plant. Now our new products bring the power of noni fruit to you in a pleasant-to-use form. Noni fruit leather is made from pure, organic, unfermented fruit and offers relief for many health problems inside and out. Our soothing lavender noni lotion 
helps with pain, skin ailments, and sports injuries. Noni Fruit Leather and Lavender Noni Lotion are available online or at most health food stores. Try our Noni Lotion and Fruit Leather for improved health and energy. When choosing a food supplement, what's most important to you? If you said safe, effective, contaminant-free, and non-GMO, 100% of the population agrees with you. So out of the thousands of brands out there, which one do you choose? Natural Factors is the healthiest choice. For over 60 years, family-owned Natural Factors has been committed to the quality of their products, excellence in science and education, and caring for people and planet. And with over 900,000 square feet of manufacturing, Natural Factors is big enough to do it right. They are also one of the only companies to do it all. With their own certified organic farms, over 2,000 acres, their own extraction, encapsulation, laboratory and research facilities, plus a vast network of academic and scientific experts. From farm to shelf, you can trust Natural Factors to bring you the best food supplements available anywhere. And they're available at your nearest natural food store or go to naturalfactors.com. Sorry, yogurt. Although you're high in calcium and protein, in the real world of potent probiotics, ah, uh, well, let's just say you're not that potent. While many consume you thinking they're getting enough probiotic bacteria for good gut health, the fact is, you yogurts can't compete with a medical strength probiotic like Theralac. Plus, you yogurts, well, most of you, have so much sugar and other ingredients that it defeats the purpose of eating you in the first place. So while we'll always be fond of you and other fermented foods, we want to make sure our listeners also take a potent probiotic like Theralac. That's because just one capsule of Theralac is equal to more than 200 cartons of yogurt in the beneficial bacteria that it delivers to the gut. And if your doctor advises you to just eat some yogurt after a course of antibiotics without a strong probiotic like Theralac, it can take up to two years to reestablish your healthy gut flora. Look for Theralac in the refrigerated section of your favorite health store or go to Theralac.com. Welcome back to the program. Nine out of ten doctors recommend Dr. Health Radio to their patients who listen to talk radio. Ask your doctor if Dr. Health is right for you. David Snow on your radio. My guest in this segment of the program, Ben Lewin. He's the author of Inside Science, Revolution in Biology and Its Impact. And we'd like to welcome him to the Dr. Health Radio microphones this morning. Good morning, Ben. How the health are you? I'm fine, thank you. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for being there and doing what you do. Now, uh, give us a broad backgrounder, if you would, uh, because I didn't really give people a, a description of, uh, you know, your expertise and um, all the fields of study that you've been involved in over the years, other than that you're the author of the new book, Inside Science. So give us the, the um, rundown on your, not life history, well, maybe life history and your career in one minute or less. Right. I started out as a biochemist with the intention of doing research. I had second thoughts one day when I was doing an experiment. This was when I was an undergraduate. And I noticed everyone had left the lab. I went to look for them. They were in a room at the end of the building. <laughs> Apparently, the procedure I was following could generate TNT, the explosive, as a side reaction. So they all thought it was safest to leave. No one mentioned anything to me, of course. Boy, isn't that special. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but I decided anyway that spending all my time doing experiments, you know, science is very, very intense, sort of lost the point of it. I wanted to understand things. So I became an editor at the science journal Nature in England, which involved reading papers and thinking about science. But I became exasperated with the way science worked, the very slow way papers got published, the incomplete format of them. And I started um, my own journal, Cell, 
to do things in a new way, publishing quickly and completely. Cell was located at MIT, and it very quickly became the leading journal in biology. We published many, maybe most of the major breakthroughs over the next couple of decades. I stayed as editor till 1999, and then I thought after 25 years, time to do something different. So I started writing about wine, and I've written a series of books about wine and guides to wine regions. But I've become increasingly concerned about the way science is not well understood, and I thought it'd be fun to go back to my roots. So I wrote Inside Science, which is basically an attempt to explain how science really works. Why is it important for the average layman to know that? Yeah, I think, you know, during the COVID epidemic, we kept hearing, follow the science. But you can't follow the science if you don't understand how science works, not necessarily all the details, but the principles of how it works, because you have to understand what are its limitations, what's reliable, what's not reliable. And if you don't understand the basic principles, how can you follow the science? Mm, Okay. And uh, we won't get into the controversy of, uh, you know, uh, all the the scientific the political mandates, but uh, I, I want to ask you a little later in the program about how political policies also follow the science, but sometimes that science is at fault or it's it's um, for either fraudulent or faulty science. Uh, and uh, but that's that's another topic we'll uh, address a little later. But first, I want to ask you about because it's at the center of a lot of news stories in in the arena of science, and that is AI, artificial intelligence. Do we need to be concerned about its dark side, and or should we just embrace it wholeheartedly and um, just accept it uh, lock, stock, and barrel? I don't think we can embrace it wholeheartedly in the realm of science because there are too many unknowns. That's what so I think. One of the principles of science is that your work can be reproduced by other people. You publish it with all the details of what you did and how you did it, and you explain your rationale and in such a way that if somebody else wants to do the same experiments, they can do them. Um, very often, they won't do exactly the same experiments. We'll do something related to it. And if there's a discrepancy, then you sort it out. And that's the so-called self-correcting mechanism of science. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with AI is that if you have a program which is, in effect, generating its own logic and you don't quite understand how it works, how are you going to verify it? It produces a result, um, but unless you verify it by some other means, how can you be absolutely sure it's right? Uh, You know, you can read a scientific paper, and in principle, you can go back and reproduce all the stuff, decide is it right or is it wrong. If it's a program which, in effect, even its creators don't understand, that becomes difficult. So I think that is quite worrying. Mm, Yeah, I I would uh, definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, I'm not anti-science, but my contention with science and technology, for that matter, is its discoveries, inventions, procedures, etc., has always been, I I mean, it should always be that just because you can doesn't mean you should, uh, whether it's, you know, mandates or uh, inventions or what have you. So what's your view on that? I mean, am I I totally off base? No, but I think that's more an argument with technology than with science. Okay. Discovery is one thing, right? You discover something. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to apply it to do something, for example, gene editing, the discovery itself is great. It tells us quite a bit about the way the genome works. It gives us new tools for diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't have to go and edit genes. That's a technology which comes out of the research. And I think you have to draw a distinction between the research, which is basically knowledge, and the technology, which is doing stuff. Okay, now, and let's shift gears. I mean, it's on a related topic, but under the term science, 
everybody automatically accepts it as being objective, but it's not necessarily objective. Can you can you address that point? That's a, it's a good it's a good question. Um, science is a sort of self-contained system. Uh, it works within its own rules and all of that, but it's not completely divorced from society. Scientists are people, they're human, they're limited by the society in which they live. I mean, look at the trouble Galileo had. He had the the prevailing wisdom of the time Mm -hmm. was that the sun had to go round the earth. So you argue the opposite, um, very hard for people to accept it. In that sense, science isn't completely objective. It's limited by the society in which it functions. But at the end of the day, the distinguishing feature of science as opposed to other activities is that the data always rule. So eventually, if you have data which say something is true, that will be accepted. What, what, um, what, what society may do, and what, what a certain lack of objectivity created by the society in which you live may do, is to, delay the, is to delay the acceptance of it. But eventually, it will be accepted. All right. On that note, uh, Ben, we're going to take a bottom of the hour break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about the so-called grant game and many more aspects of science as we continue with Ben Lewin. Inside Science is the name of the new book. We will be back with more information for your good health. So stick around if you want to stay healthy. Wakanaga of America, makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, knows that most of us are having to stretch every dollar a little further these days. But that doesn't mean you should have to choose between saving money and your family's health. It's important, as well as cost-effective, to choose safe and multifunctional nutritional supplements. Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract has been a superior cardiovascular supplement for over 50 years, backed by over 900 published scientific papers. Aged garlic extract has been shown to provide many cardiovascular benefits, including lowering blood pressure and improving arterial stiffness, and strong immune support. Kyolic Formula 103 includes vitamin C, mushrooms, and astragalus for immune and heart health, and Kyolic Formula 152 with omega-3s and vitamins D3, K2, E, and B6 for heart, bone, and immune health. Two excellent options that provide multiple health benefits for your family's health. Look for Kyolic at your local natural health store and online. Since 70% of your immune system is in your gut, don't you think it's time to take a little better care of it? After all, so many things you're doing to it are affecting its function. Not getting enough fiber, eating too much sugar, excess stress and alcohol, as well as that sedentary lifestyle. So maybe it's time for a tune-up, an intestinal tune-up, with the medical strength probiotics from Master Supplements. Their signature Theralac, recommended by doctors for more than 15 years, will rapidly colonize your intestinal tract with the specific gut-friendly strains of potent beneficial bacteria and their patent protected delivery system has garnered Theralac and their other probiotics with a worldwide reputation for results. There's also True Flora, a unique probiotic and enzyme blend with bio cleansing effects and True Bifido, specifically formulated for colon support. See all of the master supplements products at your nearest natural food store or go to Theralac.com. Master Supplements, the probiotic pioneers. Mom, can I have some spray? Sure, honey. Thanks, Mom. You know what that is? That's the sound of my child thanking me for giving her something that's actually good for her teeth. Spry Gum is part of the Spry Dental Defense System, a complete line of oral care products made with 100% xylitol, the all-natural sweetener with proven dental benefits. 
So when we're at home, my whole family uses Spry toothpaste and mouthwash to help strengthen our teeth and reduce the risk of tooth decay. And when we're on the go, I just throw some Spry gum and mints right into my bag. My kids love it, and I love that it's all natural. No sugar, no aspartame, or any other chemicals. Just think of that. I reward my kids for taking care of their teeth at home by giving them gum and mints on the go that are good for their teeth. Visit SpryDental.com or ask for Spry by name at your local health food store. You can also ask your dentist about Spry. And make sure your mouth is receiving all the benefits of 100% xylitol products. At Vitamin Shop, Sprouts, Kroger, and most natural product retailers. Find a retailer near you at clear.com. Snow, 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 snow. Welcome back to the show. David Snow on your radio. News, talk, traffic, weather, sports. We've got it all. Well, except for the traffic, weather, and sports. But if it's news and talk you want to know about... To be a healthier person, this is the show that you want to be tuned into. All right, uh, continuing our guest with our guest Ben Lewin. Um, Inside Science is the name of his book. Uh, ben, before we run out of time, how can people get the book? It's on Amazon and in bookshops. All right, Amazon has everything, including uh, probably soon babies and cars and houses. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's another program. Okay, um, let us uh, let us proceed here and talk about grants, uh, the scientific grants that scientists are so anxious to. You know, it reminds me of the political arena where politicians half of their term is is involved in fundraising and and being voted in for the next term. And uh, tell us about kind of the go- grant game well, and all the funding that goes on there. Same is true for science. A scientist running a lab spends a third, maybe a half of his time raising money, mostly through the gov- mostly from the government, sometimes through private sources. But the grant system really works on the catch-22 principle. And the basic problem is that to get funds, you have to prove that you can actually do the work, that it, that it will be effective. But you can't get the data until you have the funds. So there you are, a bit stuck. Mm -hmm. The the way, basically, most people do it is to game the system. Once you've got a grant, you use part of that grant to get the data that you're going to apply for the next grant. (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) And it's not a great system. I mean, it works in the sense that it supports good science and so on. But it would really, in my opinion, be much better to support people, just to look at someone's results, say, look, your last five papers were good, so we'll fund you for the next five years. Okay, but let, let me take issue with you. You say it, it, it contributes to good science, but not always, because a lot of times the people that are putting up the money for the studies, uh, the, the scientists have to, uh, they're beholden to the funders or, you know, the, the people that give them the grants, the grant money. And uh, so they want a favorable outcome or a, a negative outcome, whatever it is, uh, based on their study. I mean, that, that has to weigh into the equation, doesn't it? Well, that's true for a small part of science. I mean, if a drug, if a drugs company funds you, they're going to want to see a certain result. Right. But, but I have to say that the, the, most of the funding in the United States comes from the federal government, and that's done on a system which scientists assess the grant on its on its interest and its likelihood of success. And there isn't any fix, as it were, to the outcome. I would say that by and large the system works pretty well, but around the fringes with some of the sort of less reputable sources for funds, yes, they could be the sort of problem you're talking about. But that's, that's a small part of it. All right. Well, that's, that's fortunate to hear. I mean, uh, that's uh, uh, 
positive news, definitely, because, uh, you know, there, <laughs> whenever there's money and politics involved, there's, there's uh, you know, the, the dark side of that as well. And uh, I won't get into that. I don't want to. There's a statistic out there that 20 percent of scientific papers are never referred to by anybody but the person who wrote them. <laughs> Meaning, basically, the, the work is useless. And, but if you look at the research that's funded by the United States government, that percentage goes down to less than 1%. So I would say, by and large, we're doing a pretty good job. Okay, since you mentioned statistics, did you know that 53.7% of scientific statistics are made up? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, science can be manipulated, you know, when you when you go for percentages and statistics and everything. I mean, statistics know. are a problem. Yeah. Um, people tend to use the statistical tests that give the best results. Yes, yeah, right. Uh, and sure, stati- you know what they say: lies, damned lies, and statistics. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, well put. Now, what about nature versus science? Now, science and uh, and all its um, uh, the good that it does for humanity can also be corrupt and that, um, you know, it's arrogant and, and they, it's like a be-all, end-all uh, conclusion that they come to sometimes, depending on what field of science you're talking about. But um, nature is really, I mean, it, it trumps science almost every time, and, uh, and yet the scientists are, are, you know, they have a superiority complex sometimes, or uh, they... they you know, want to improve on nature, uh, which is, I mean, obviously I'm not anti-science because we have so many scientific uh, inventions and and, uh, discoveries and creations uh, in our modern world that make living healthier, easier, longer. I mean, you know, there's a lot of positives, but but also, you know, I mean, there's a balance, isn't there, between nature and science? Yeah, I think you're a bit hard on scientists there because... If you are a scientist and you publish data, obviously you believe in them, but you believe in the data. Someone else comes along and says your data are wrong and proves it. You have lost, and that's all there is to it. You accept it and you move on. Um, This belief in data can sort of appear arrogant to the outside world, but it's not really arrogant because you can be humbled by it just as easily as come out on top. Um, I think... Science has a different sort of mindset, and the mindset is that your personal views are not important. What is important is the data. Mm-hmm. And that creates an appearance of arrogance sometimes, maybe, but I don't think it's arrogant, really. I don't think it's corrupt. Um, I think it's just a different mindset, but it can be difficult for non-scientists to understand it. Also, scientists are very obsessive, and that, again, can be something that's a little bit hard to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could be a blessing or a curse, I guess, depending on, you know, what what aspect of science that you're talking about. Let's talk about uh, serendipitous discoveries. What I mean, obviously, you were a publisher of uh, Nature, which uh, which uh, it's ironic that uh, the main scientific journal there in the UK uh, is is entitled Nature, and and yet it's a science journal. Uh, and then uh, MIT, you, you worked for or you started Cell. But uh, tell us uh, about serendipitous scientific discoveries over the years. One Nobel Prize winner said. Accidents don't happen accidentally. Ah. They, they happen in labs which have, as it were, prepared the groundwork. So some part of science is accidental. You're looking for one thing, you find something quite different. But as Louis Pasteur said, favors the prepared mind. You know, some people yes, make right. accidental discoveries and they never realize what they found. Mm-hmm. Other people go on and get Nobel Prizes. So accidents have 
quite a big role to play in science, but being prepared for them is equally important. It's kind of like uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, let's see. Uh, well, we, I still have a few more questions before our next break, uh, our last break of the hour. Uh, let's let's uh, get into, we'll shift gears now and talk about our genes, the genome, the gene splicing, epigenetics, and then, of course, there's stem cells, which is kind of a different uh, uh, frontier. But uh, tell us the uh, scientific background on that and, and the future of, of, those, uh, of that aspect of science as we know it as it relates to our health. Well, I'd say the world has changed with the Human Genome Project. So before the Human Genome Project, you could work pretty much on one gene at a time. Now you can look at the whole genome, see all the genes spread out. It's fair to say we still don't understand a lot about the organization of the genome, uh, but humans have, roughly speaking, about 20,000 genes. Mm -hmm. And um, you can look at the you can look at genomes on mass, as it were. So, for example, people have been trying things like looking at a large number of genomes to see if they can deduce um, the cause for a disease. You look at, um, you know, you, you have X number of people who have a disease and you have a very large database of genomes. You see whether there's something common to those people. This is an entirely new sort of approach. We couldn't have done anything like this 20, 30 years ago. I think, to be fair, it hasn't yet produced any impressive results but one hopes it will. Um, it's a great advantage for medical diagnosis now because with the ability to sequence a whole genome quickly and cheaply, you can, in one swoop, as it were, have a look to see whether a person is susceptible to a particular disease. This is obviously um, really applicable to, to, to fetal analysis. Um, it's sort of standard now to run a, a, a big a big genome test for all babies and so on. Um, this is a this is a this is a great medical advance. Now, would you uh, equate it though to, you know, the cure for cancer? Because every president since uh, I don't know Nixon or before that, uh, you know, uh, we're devoting so many millions of dollars, and uh, within my term, I'm going to, you know, we will have a cure for cancer. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's sort of naive to say we can get a cure for cancer because there are lots of different cancers. And we're not going to get a generic cure for cancer as such. Well, well, I'm, I'm just you know, equating that to the. I'm comparing that to the the genome that you were talking about and describing. Yeah, but with the genome, with genome analysis available, we can analyze some cancers. And mm. you know, if you take cancers one by one, yes, we may well be able to eliminate them. But we're not going to get a cure for cancer as a whole because different cancers have different causes. But those causes go back to the genes. And the more we know about the genomes and individual genes, the better our chances of curing them. All right. Okay, on that note, uh, we'll um, stay on the clock here and be back with more information when we come back. Uh, ben, I want to ask you about uh, patents and intellectual property, as well as, uh, obviously, you've probably had your genes tested to you know, see your ancestral background and maybe the the uh, strengths and weaknesses of your um, of your genes as far as uh, disease susceptibility etc and um, and more on that uh, so we will be back with more information from Ben Lewin and we'll tell you how to get his book as well inside science is the uh, copy of his or uh, title of his new book revolution in biology and its impact back after this with more information for your good health 
Here on Dr. Health, I'm David Snow. Don't go anywhere if you want to stay healthy. At Essential Formulas, we provide the immune essentials for your family's health this winter. Dr. O'Hara's Probiotics and RegActive. Dr. O'Hara's Probiotics is recognized as a worldwide leader in probiotic digestive health. Since 70% of your immune cells reside in your gut, Dr. O'Hara's Probiotics have an impressive effect on immune health, too. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics contain over 500 postbiotic metabolites shown to help support immune function. Certified vegetarian, free of gluten, dairy, and GMOs, a powerful immune option. RegActive formulas help boost levels of glutathione, the body's most essential antioxidant, which decreases as we age. Maintaining glutathione levels is key in overall health protection. Be proactive about your immune health. Look for Dr. O'Hara's probiotics and RegActive at natural health retailers and online today. Although you've heard about superfoods coming from many countries, did you know there's one that's grown right here in the U.S.? That's even more potent than most of those foreign superfoods. It's Noni, the superfood thousands of fans rely on for promoting good joint functions, a healthy immune system, and overall health and energy. It's the brand that sets the benchmark for medicinal and nutritional strength. It's Real Noni, grown in Hawaii on the island of Kauai. That's because Real Noni is 100% organic, raw, and non-fermented. And unlike Noni juice, Real Noni is in the form of a fruit leather, making it 14 times more potent than Noni juice with no added sugar. Plus, it's more convenient and cost-effective. Real Noni is a superfood that has 60 times more antioxidants than blueberries. Experience the healing and nourishing power for yourself by going to realnoni.com, where you can also see their line of popular pain-relieving lotions. That's realnoni.com. Welcome back to the Cure for the Common radio show. It's your weekly dose of verbal vitamins. And if you miss any part of the show or want a double dose of good health information, our show is rebroadcast tonight. From the time you're listening to it right now, that would be 12 hours from now on the station you're listening to. and uh, Or you can go to the website if you don't have time tonight, and you'll go to drhealthradio.com. That's drhealthradio.com, where we podcast the shows after next Wednesday. You do have to wait a few days uh, to uh, re-listen to the show. All right, uh, continuing our conversation with Ben Lewin. Uh, ben, if people tuned in late, uh, tell us again how we can get the book Inside Science. Inside Science is published by Cold Spring Harbor Press. It's available on Amazon and in bookshops. All right, very good. Um, are, are you working on another book, by, uh, by the way? I mean, are you... as, I, as it happens, I am. I'm working on a book called The Ascent of Science, Oh. which is a sort of history and analysis of how and why science came to be a dominant intellectual influence in society. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. We'll definitely have you back on for that. So are you writing any new books uh, other than Inside Science, the one you just came out with? I'm writing a book called The Ascent of Science, which is sort of a history of how science came to be the dominant I like to think of it as a dominant, anyway, dominant influence in society of, of, of intellectual thought. It, it's partly about history of science. It's partly an argument with social scientists and others who criticize science. But it's a, a different sort of theme and very interesting to write. Okay, now uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, on this related note of 
uh, well, you're talking about the history of science, and uh, we talked a lot about uh, past discoveries, etc. cetera. Uh, but as far as the future of science, not just uh, AI and, you know, the latest technological developments, but just practical applications of science, and I don't want to get in, uh, involved in, you know, the Dr. Fauci controversy and masks, uh, no masks, uh, vaccination, no vaccination, but give us a kind of an overview of what you think the future is going to hold when it comes to, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic is a chronic situation now, more like the flu. So uh, are we going to be continually uh, facing mandates and uh, uh, political controversy in that regard? Or is it going to just be back under the radar like the flu and cold and other viruses and et cetera. Have you done any study on the pandemic uh, in particular? Well, my main concern with the pandemic was really that the science wasn't very well done. I would like to have seen, you know, much better science, much less politics. Mm -hmm. I think, obviously enough, we're going to see more viruses coming out, new viruses that we didn't know about before. And some of them are going to be threatening and I hope we're going to be able to deal with them better. It's impressive how quickly it was possible to develop a vaccine against the virus. I don't think 20, 30 years ago one could have got a vaccine that quickly. I think that, that's very impressive, and that's, uh, that's a new technology that came right out of basic research. Um, what will come next? I don't know. More viruses for sure. Uh, will they be as threatening? I don't know. But science is in a good way to cope with it. But as I say, my main, my main problem is that people don't really understand the limits of science. I think a lot of what went wrong with handling the pandemic was because people didn't understand how to use the science. It wasn't the science itself that was at fault. It was that people just didn't understand how to use it. Well, and then also the layman, they, they think that science is going to be the answer <clears throat> excuse me, to their, their disease or their shortcomings of lifestyle habits, et cetera, you know, where they're going to put false hope in uh, whether it's genetics or um, uh, vaccinations or what have you as a substitute, uh, not an adjunct to a healthy lifestyle and uh, health, yeah, health habits. That, that is one of my concerns, that um, people view science as a sort of black box that generates right. results, and they don't understand how those results are generated, and therefore how you should receive them, um, what their limitations are. I think, I don't expect people to understand the details of science. That's really for specialists in the field. But it would be good if we could get people to understand more about the principles of how science works, and because then we'd be in a much better situation to cope with something like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, um, <clears throat> excuse me, let's uh, shift gears once again and talk about patents uh, in science uh, gene, whether it's uh, in the genome or um, other aspects of medicine uh, and intellectual property. I mean, this is um, there's definitely a dark side to this and that corporations just like there's, um, you know, the seed companies that control what what is grown and, um, uh, you know, the, their susceptibility to pesticides, et cetera. Uh, they're they're filing patents on different uh, Profiles of genes and so on. I mean, you know all about that. Uh, give us a rundown on intellectual property and patents as it relates to science. Well, in a sense, patents are the opposite of science. 
Science is all about putting your information out there free for everybody to act on it. Mm -hmm. Patents is all about protecting your information so that you have control of it. There was a big controversy as to whether you could patent gene sequences or not. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, which in the end allowed sequences to be patented. Personally, I think the Supreme Court completely misunderstood the science and got it absolutely wrong. Um, but the fact is you can now patent a, a gene sequence. Uh, it's an, the Supreme Court drew a, drew a very sort of arcane distinction between a sequence prepared in the lab and a sequence that's natural, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but the fact is you can patent a sequence now. And is that a good thing? No, it's not a good thing. It has stifled science in some cases, the most famous case being the gene involved in breast cancer, BRCA1, where a company had, a, had, a control, had a control of the sequence and actually was able to stop people from doing research on it. Not a good thing at all. Mm. Uh, so what's the... Um What's the solution to the problem? Do you think it's going to get worse? Uh, we're more no, corporations. I, I, I think we've come into a sort of equilibrium now. And there are constraints on what type of sequence you can patent and so on. I think this was, this was sort of a problem for a period. But now it's, everybody has sort of got accustomed to working around the system. I don't think it's any sort of impediment to science any longer. It was maybe for a bit a few years ago. But now... I think we are fine on that. Um, whether you should be able to patent it, of course, is a, is a separate issue. Mm -hmm. Whether the Supreme, whether, but you know, here we are back again on the issue of, of, of understanding science. The Supreme Court clearly did not understand science. If it had understood it, it would have handled things very differently. And we have. Um, we have a Congress and a Senate and a whole political establishment which has very few scientists in it. They're not in a position to understand right. science. Mm -hmm. And this, this, to my mind, is a problem, the under-representation of science in, in, in the political system. Mm. Okay. Now, um, along those same lines or in a, on a related topic is the, um, the so-called uh, you know, the uh, testing for your ancestry, whether it's Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and so on. Um, what, is the, um, what, what is your take on that as a scientist? Uh, because obviously they have, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I'm, not, I'm no criminal or anything, but, but I, I, I just don't want to, I, I just don't want, you know, a, a third party to have that information, even though right. some of my relatives have, have done it and, you know, and they they have proved that yes, I am half Italian, and you know the different yes, yes, yes. Uh, and so the different ethnic backgrounds, et cetera. But um, but I'm I'm not going to ever do that. Uh, sure. So what, what's your your take on that? I mean, well, do I, we have I anything have, to worry about, or am I worrying needlessly? No, I have I haven't done it either because I don't think. Ah, that's interesting. I, you haven't done it either, and you're a scientist. No, okay. I don't think it would tell me anything very interesting. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, yes. If 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 for example. I had a family history which involved some inherited disease that I knew about. I would be interested in testing to see whether I was susceptible to it mm -hmm. in order that I could prepare better for it and maybe avert it. Um, I don't have anything like that. Um, and I'm not that curious about the details of my ancestry. My feeling is I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not really fussed as to whether I've got some genes that came into my ancestry from Morocco three generations back or whatever. Um, my children have done analysis, but I have not. Ah, okay, wow. Maybe it's a generation thing. 
It could be yes, and and by the way, I you know I mentioned criminals, but actually they the good the the positive side on on those uh, testing organizations is they have uh, you know. Uh, Captured some criminals that uh, that happened to do their test, and then and that's how they track them down, yeah. as you know. So, um, but anyway, uh, you know, everything has a. It, it seems like science uh, so often is a two-edged sword, and that there are positives and negatives, or you know, uh, uh, benefits and drawbacks, or you know, the benefit, uh, the uh, risk-benefit ratio, if you will. So, well, as as we said before, the discovery is one thing; what use you make of it is another. Right, right, yeah. Now, we only have a few minutes left, and I just want to say before we run out of time that in the 34 years of interviewing thousands of health experts here on the on the show, uh, be they doctors or scientists, credentials and non-credentialed experts in different fields of healing, uh, the ones that had a more real world or big picture, if you will, of, of their, the mindset uh, seemed to be the individuals that were also happier and healthier and lived longer. Uh, uh, we've had some people that have lived well into their 90s and so on. And uh, and with respect to those who are you know no longer with us, of course, but but the ones that were so focused on their position, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier in our discussion, uh, that they, they were just so um, eccentric in, in their one narrow field of study that they completely excluded, you know, living a healthy lifestyle or paying attention to common sense, things that uh, would have made their life better, longer, happier, healthier, whatever. And um, so sometimes it's it's the obvious solutions to are problems that we that science seems to ignore, and uh, they want the uh, the scientific edge, so to speak. And I, and again, maybe I'm being hard on science, like you said I was earlier. <laughs> but give us a I don't think it's, uh, it's particular to science. I, I think being obsessed about one thing is always a problem. Yes, whether, uh, yes. whether that thing is science or something else. Right. Being a, being obsessed is not healthy and mm-hmm. all rounded. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, Ben, for being with us. And um, again, I, I think you presented both sides of the coin, so I, I appreciated your objectivity. And so often, uh, science is not necessarily objective, as, as we sometimes uh, have uh, come to find. Uh, but uh, tell us uh, one, one last time uh, where people can get the book Inside Science. Inside Science, published yesterday, is available on Amazon and generally speaking, in bookshops. So, hot off the press, and we have exclusive, uh, or at least the first interview uh, after your book came out, so we appreciate that. And uh, and let us know when the new book, uh, when you come out with that, and we'll have you back on in a year or two. Right. Thank you very much. All right. There goes Ben Lewin, and here we go with another edition of the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, if you want to hear a rebroadcast of the show, 12 hours from right now on the station you're listening to right now, you can tune in tonight. Or next week, um, you can listen to us 168 hours from right now for another edition of the program. Until then, I'm David Snow thanking you for joining us. And remember, it's not how long you live, it's how you live long. Aloha. Have a healthy week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.